0: The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. Once again, we meet everyone's favorite truth... Sherlock Holmes, and today we find him deeply involved in solving the riddle of the Musgrave ritual, an ancient catechism handed down for centuries, a seemingly innocent passage into the rites of manhood, but its dark secret led to murder of the most horrible kind.
1: When the bats fly low and the nights in the sky... Good Lord, Holmes, what is this, Satanism? I believe, Watson, it's part of one of the spells that was supposed to have been recited to bring Lucifer on the scene. Then this other ritual you gave me must also refer to the devil. What leads you to that conclusion? Well, look at the questions. Whose was it? His who is gone. And who shall have it? He who will come. If not the devil, then who? That you'll find out, Watson, when you solve the riddle of the Musgrave Ritual.
0: Our mystery drama, The Musgrave Ritual, was adapted from the Arthur Conan Doyle classic, especially for the Mystery Theater, by Murray Burnett, and stars Gordon Gould, I'll be back shortly with We tend to think of Sherlock Holmes as always having been famous. We also tend to think of the police he came in contact with as being skeptical but respectful of his prowess. Indulgent of his idiosyncrasies because they realized that he had hit in some lucky or miraculous fashion upon clues they'd overlooked. But of course, it wasn't always so. When he first started on his career, it was quite different. And today we embark with him and Watson upon the third case of his fabulous career, the Musgrave
1: Ritual. <laughs> chronicling the cases of my friend Sherlock Holmes I found the most difficulty in setting down the events in those dramas in which I played no part the Musgrave ritual is one affair that happened before Holmes and I met he told me that it started when his old university friend Reginald Musgrave visited him in his room in Montague Street hard by the museum Come in, come in, Musgrave. I pray to heaven, Holmes, that you can make a proper deduction in my trouble. Although I must confess, the police were against my coming to you at all. Perhaps you'd better start at the beginning. Your problem may be one that lends itself to a simple solution. I wish it were so. I, I, I doubt it very much. You see, it's one that concerns my servants. Two of them have disappeared without a trace. And I'm afraid I may be somewhat to blame. Time enough to place the blame and we've solved the problem. Who are the missing people? The butler, Brunton, and the second housemaid, Rachel Howells. You have a large staff then? Yes, so I'm a bachelor. Holston is a large, rambling old place. Takes a good deal of looking after. How long have the two been with you? Oh, Brunton's been with us for 20 years. Uh, my father, who passed away some years ago, hired him. He was a, a school teacher with no job. He became invaluable. He's a great linguist and an accomplished musician and extremely handsome. He sounds like a paragon among butlers. But he did have one fault. He was a bit of a don Juan. A few months ago, I thought all our problems were solved because we became engaged to Rachel Howells. But the more I think of it, the more I believe that this is where all the trouble started. Rachel had come into dust to dust study. I looked up from my newspaper.
2: I'm, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not disturbing you.
1: No, 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 not at all, Rachel. Tell me, have you and Brunton set a date yet?
2: I'm. I'm sorry, sir, but but very sorry. I shouldn't burden you with my troubles.
1: My dear child, I I don't understand.
2: It's all off between me and Bronton. He's found someone else. What? When did this happen? Yesterday, sir. Mr. Brunton came to me and apologized and said he'd found someone else. Someone he'd fallen deeply in love with. It wouldn't be fair for us to go ahead with our plans.
1: My dear girl, I, I, I really don't know what to
2: say. Nothing to say, sir. I thank you for your kindness and... I, excuse me, I, I really don't feel very well.
1: The girl had a Breakdown. We sent for the doctor, and I must say I was shocked when I heard that Brunton's new love was the daughter of the head gamekeeper. Hmm. I take it she's not missing. Oh, no, no, no. She's upset and baffled like the rest of us, but there's more to the story. A really shocking incident which happened regarding Brunton. Last Thursday night, I couldn't sleep, so I decided to continue with a novel I had been reading... However, it was in the billiard room. As I was passing the library, I saw light. My first thought was burglars. But after picking a weapon off the wall and stealing silently into the library, I was astonished to find Brunton fully dressed and unlocking one of the bureaus. So, Brunton... This is how you repay the trust my family has reposed in you, Sir, this is not what you think. No? I find you rifling a bureau drawer in the dead of night, looking through my family's papers, and you tell me it's not what I think. Nothing is missing, sir. I I am not a thief, Mr. Musgrave. Whatever you are, you're no longer in my employ. Please, let me explain. I think 20 years of service entitles me at least to that. Very well. But as you know, sir, when your father first hired me, I was a schoolteacher. I've never lost interest in scholarship. History holds a fascination for me. I'm consumed by it. The Musgraves are one of the oldest families in England and are an important part of our history. All I've been doing is looking through the old papers you have here. In the dead of night secretly, and behind my back. There's a bad mistake on my part, sir, but I was afraid you might deny me permission. There's no excuse for what you've been doing. You leave tomorrow. Mr. Musgrave, please, sir, I'd ask you to consider the years I've spent with the family. Holmes, I turned a deaf ear to his please, and he walked off. The taper was still on the table... And by its light, I could see the paper that Brunton had taken from the Bureau. And to my surprise, it wasn't anything important. Simply a copy of the questions and answers in the singular old observance called the Musgrave Ritual. And that is? A ceremony peculiar to our family, which each Musgrave was centuries past has gone through oncoming of age. At any rate, I relocked the bureau, and I had turned to go when I was surprised to see Brunton standing before me. Mr. Munchgrave, I've always been a proud man. I, I can't bear disgrace, sir. Disgrace will kill me. Believe me, my blood will be upon your head if you drive me to despair. If you cannot keep me after what is past, then... Let me give notice and leave in a month. A month is too long. Take yourself off in a week and give whatever reason you like. Only a week, sir. A fortnight, say At least a fortnight. A week? And consider yourself fortunate that I have been this lenient. The trouble with presenting an accurate picture of Holmes' cases in which I wasn't involved... Lay in working from Holmes' notes, which were sketchy at best, and in a particular, peculiar shorthand, which I sometimes found baffling. In this case of the Musgrave ritual, I found it necessary to ask him what part the police had played. The police? <laughs> My dear Watson, remember they weren't Scotland Yard, and I dealt with a Sergeant Davies of the County Constabulary. He was somewhat less than enthusiastic. Well no, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Mr. Mosgrave thinks the world of you, and he's asked me to give you every assistance. And I appreciate that, Sergeant. Would you mind telling me if you've reached any conclusions? We most certainly have, Mr. Holmes. And I know that the simple professional solution doesn't please you amateurs. And your conclusions, Sergeant? Brendan was quite a slippery character. And once Mr. Musgrave caught him red-handed, so to speak, he knew the jig was up, and he took off. Now, we've got bulletins out all over England and the continent for him. He'll turn up. I see. And the girl, Rachel? Well, no. <laughs> that was a pretty piece of acting. Brunton must have been serious about her all along, and just used the engagement to the gamekeeper's daughter to cover his traces. Meanwhile, she acted heartsick and then ran off after him to meet him somewhere. Well, Mr. Holmes, that uh, ties everything up nice and neatly, eh? There are a few questions. You describe Brunton as a slippery character, meaning that he'd been engaged in acts of thievery before. Oh, yes, of course. Then how do you account for the fact that Mr. Musgrave says that in 20 years he'd never once missed anything of value, neither cash nor jewels? Hurston's a very large place, Mr. Holmes, I suspect that if Mr. Musgrave were to take inventory, he might change his tune. So you have it marked as a case of theft and flight? That's what our experience tells us. Now, don't you agree? I think it may be a little more complicated than that. On the train up here... Mr. Musgrave told me you were very thorough in checking Rachel Howell's footprints. Oh, yes, oh, yes. We traced them right across the lawn to the edge of the pond, then on to the gravel, which leads out of the grounds. That was good work. Thank you, sir. And this leads you to believe that Rachel Howell left the grounds? Of course, sir. Don't you? Yes, Sergeant, I do. Only Musgrave also told me you had the pond dragged and fished up a linen bag containing a mass of old, rusted and discolored metal and several pebbles. That's so. Now, at first we thought the poor girl might have done away with herself, and that... Surely she wouldn't have thought of killing herself if she were going to join her lover. Uh, That was
0: before we hit upon our
1: solution. You see, before we knew she went off. I see. But then... What about this linen bag? Oh, probably some junk that had been there for years. But then, wouldn't the linen have been eroded? As I understand it, the bag looked as if it had been only recently immersed. There's that, sir. I give you that. Thank you, Sergeant. Now, did you consider the possibility that the girl threw that bag into the pond before she left the property? Why would she do a thing like that? Why indeed, Sergeant... If we had the answer, we'd know a lot more about the case. But why else would she go out of her way to stop by the pond if she were leaving the property? I've been told you'd had some success at amateur detecting, but you amateurs are apt to carry things too far. Next thing you know, you'll be coming up with those old wives' tales about the old musgraves dabbling in witchcraft. You're the first one to mention that, Sergeant... But it does hold some interest. For oh, the amateurs, not the professionals. If we listen to half the tales the Widow Sykes spins, we'll be chasing shadows every full moon. The Widow Sykes? She's the village historian and the village gossip. If you don't want to waste your time, Mr. Holmes, steer clear of the Widow. Holmes. I'd like very much to know more about this thing called the Musgrave Ritual. But surely the whole ritual is outlined in my notes. Oh, yes, yes, I I do have it here. Read it to me, please. I'd like to refresh my memory. Um, (coughs) It seems to be in question and answer form. That's so. Let me see if I can recall the answers if you'll read the questions. Very well. well. First question, whose was it? His... Who is gone ah, that's right well now second question who shall have it he who will come where was the sun over the oh let me recall over the oak ah. where was the shadow under the elm <laughs> remarkable remarkable memory yourself, thank you Watson go on uh, how was it stepped off Oh, your compliment came a question too soon, Watson. I have completely forgotten the numbers. Give them to me. Uh, North by ten and by ten. East by five and by five. South by two and by two. West by one and by one and so under. It's just gibberish, Holmes. So on. Uh, What shall we give for it? All that is ours. Why should we give it? For the sake of the Trust. well, oh. oh, that seems to be all. It's amazing how you record most of it. <laughs> now that you've heard the Musgrave ritual, what do you think? Oh, for the life of me, Holmes, I, I, I can't make head and the tails of that rigmarole. But you realize its importance, Watson. Perhaps it would help you if I told you that the spelling of the original catechism was definitely middle of the 17th century. <laughs> The secret
0: of Sherlock Holmes' unparalleled fascination for readers was that he not only amazed Watson, but also his readers. Once you embark upon an adventure with the famous sleuth, you eagerly join in the chase, whether it be to hunt down a criminal or solve a riddle, and in some cases, both. We'll find out which this was in Act Two. classic Gershwin tune goes, A Foggy Day in London Town. It had me low, it had me down. Whenever I hear it, I can't help thinking that fog and London and Sherlock Holmes make for one of the most exciting combinations in all of literature. We return to 221B Baker Street where Watson is patiently trying to unravel Holmes' notes in the case of the Musgrave Ritual.
1: Holmes, I I know you're trying to help me, but from your notes it appears we have three separate mysteries to solve. The disappearance of the butler, Brunton, Rachel Howell's vanishing, and this ancient Musgrave ritual. That's just it, Watson. Suppose there was only one mystery, one problem to solve, and by solving it, all three questions would be answered. What then? I mm, don't see how that could be possible. I was convinced that the roots of all these happenings lay in the past. And so I disregarded the advice of Sergeant Davies and went to visit the Widow Sykes in a small cottage in the village.
2: Come right in. Come right in, Mr. Holmes. Never mind the geese. They're better than dogs for guarding the house.
1: <coughs> Sergeant Davies said you might be able to help me.
2: Mr. Holmes, so I can see you're not one to stick too close to the truth. <laughs> if that said anything at all about me, it was to tell you to pay me no mind. <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? No, thank you. you no mind if I have a cup. Now, uh, <sighs> Ilston is a dark place. There were dark deeds done in the old days.
1: Did you know, Brunton
2: Since he was a lad... He was smart, I'll grant him that, but not as smart as he thought he was. A lot of people knew what he was up to at Earlston.
1: Oh, what was that?
2: Oh, well, looking for things that were best left lost.
1: Hmm. Can you give me some idea of the nature of those uh, things?
2: I'm old, Mr. Holmes. And I hold to the old ideas about good and evil. And there were people at Earlston long ago who knew too much about the nature of evil. They did evil deeds. I'm talking about the Mossbreath. Back more than 100 years, they dabbled in witchcraft.
1: And you think Brunton was... Trying
2: to find out how they worked their spells. Trying to find out how they got their powers. And? And either he found out or he, he made a mistake. Either way, Mr. Holmes, he's gone.
1: I see... And what about Rachel Howells? She's Welsh, Mr. Holmes.
2: And they're a fine people. But there's darkness in some of them. And there was a lot of it in her. (sighs) Mark my words, sir. If you want to find the answer, you'll find it in the old days. And the dark days.
1: Thank you, Mrs. Sykes. You've been most helpful.
2: You really mean that? I do. Then you believe in witchcraft.
1: No, but I share your belief that the answer to the mystery lies in the past. Uh, I know this must seem a nuisance to you, Holmes, but really your notes leave a good deal to be desired. No need to apologize, Watson. As my biographer, you have a right to ask questions. Go back to the ritual, Watson. Uh, You were on the right track there. Ask yourself why Brunton should be so anxious to master this old formula. uh, I I cannot imagine. That's because there's no guile in you, my dear friend. Obviously, Brunton expected some personal advantage from it. What was it then? And how had it affected his fate? Holmes, I haven't the foggiest. If you continue reading, you'll find that I went back to Hurlston and sought out... Reginald Musgrave. Here you've been looking for me, Holmes. You'll forgive me, Musgrave, if I say that this butler of yours appears to me to have been a very clever man and to have had a clearer insight than ten generations of his masters. I hardly follow you. His avid interest in the Musgrave ritual. But uh, the ritual has no practical importance. On the contrary. It seems immensely practical, and I shall need your help in proving it. First that magnificent old oak tree on the left-hand side of the drive. Was it standing when your ritual was drawn? In all probability, it was there at the Norman Conquest. It has a girth of 23 feet. Have you any old elms on the property? Well, now, there used to be a very old one, some yards from the oak. But it was struck down by a bolt of lightning ten years ago, and we cut down the stump. You can still see where it used to be? Oh, yes. I should like to see where it grew. All we have to do is uh, step outside. There you are, Holmes. You can see the scar in the lawn. Mm. I don't suppose it's possible to find out how high the elm was. I can give it to you exactly. It was 64 feet How did you come to know it? My old tutor gave me exercises in trigonometry. They invariably took the shape of measuring heights. When I was a lad, I worked out every tree and building on the estate. Tell me. Did your butler, Brunton, ever ask you such a question? On my word, Holmes. I don't know how you ferreted that out. But he did ask me some months ago in connection with an argument he said he had with a groom. Uh, but I, 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 I still fail to understand what's behind it all. Holmes, I must confess that I sympathise with Musgrave's bewilderment. Look at my notes. Go back to the ritual and read. Where? What? Where was the sun? Oh. at uh, Over the oak. Ah. I see, Holmes, and the shadow was under the elm. Precisely. It was obvious from the first that the trees and the measurements were used as guides to some location. And if we could find that exact location, we should be well along towards finding the secret the Musgrave family thought necessary to cloak in so curious Uh, a fashion. uh, uh, Hold on. Uh, the, The ritual mentions shadow under the elm. Now, that must mean the far end of the shadow. Otherwise, they would have chosen the trunk as a guide. Excellent, Watson. (laughs) But how in the world would you measure the shadow when the elm is no longer there? Come, Watson. I know if Brunton could do it, I could also. I went with Musgrave to his study and found two lengths of a fishing rod which measured exactly six feet. Then I whittled myself a peg to which I tied a long string with a knot at each yard. And then we went back to the elm. I see the sun is just grazing the top of the oak, which is fortunate for us. Now, this is the spot where the elm stood, Mosbeth. Right there, Holmes. We put the fishing rod in place, so, and lay out the peg along the lines of the shadow. And we see that it comes to exactly nine feet. And my mathematical training tells me that if a rod of six feet throws a shadow of nine feet, then a tree of 64 feet will throw one of 96. Correct. Let's get back to the oak and place out the measurements step by step. Three, four, five. That's five to the east. I see now, Holmes. I believe we're really onto something. The next is two to the south. One, two. We're right at the very threshold of the door to the old house. West by one. We have to go in. One. By one Two steps in and Here we are Just a passageway My deductions were correct And yet there's obviously nothing here We've left out the and under Remember? One by one And so under There's a cellar under this thing? Yes And as old as the house Down here ...through this door. Ah, there's a lantern down here. Ah, I will strike a match. People have been here, Musgrave. See, the wood has all been piled carefully along the walls... ...leaving a clear space in the middle here. That's Brunton's muffler. I'll swear to it. What's he been doing here? On the same crest as we, I'm afraid. There's a stone... With a rusted iron ring in the center. Holmes, let's have it up. By all means, Musgrave. But I think we should first send for Sergeant Davies. Well, now, Mr. Holmes. Think we've found something, have we? Did you bring anyone with you, Sergeant? I think I can handle this by myself. I hope you're right. All right, sir. What do you want me to do? Help us lift this flagstone. Right, Char. Let's get a grip on the ring. Huh? And feel. Uh, 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 uh. It's too dark to see anything down there. Now stand back and let me flash the lantern down. Good Lord in heaven. Is that thing Brunton? I'm afraid so, Musgrave. But his hands what happened to them? Imagine he wore them away, scratching at the slab to move it. Hardly room enough for a man to stand upright in that hole. I should hazard a guess that there wasn't enough air for more than an hour. What made him do it, Holmes? What made him do it? Greed, Musgrave. Greed and love. Love. that wasn't all, Holmes. Far from it. I was as disappointed as you when we uncovered the body of Brunton and were still faced with several unanswered questions. When the police took Brunton's body out of that hole under the cellar, they also found a chest. Ah, with buried treasure? Empty. I knew it was empty when Sergeant Davies, with a great many flourishes, brought it to Musgrave's study to open it. It had to be. I I, 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 don't, I don't follow. Because you don't use my methods. Think back to what you already read. What happened in the cellar? Well, I remember exactly what you wrote. You sent for Sergeant Davies and waited until he got there, and then you and Davies wrenched open the stone? Both of us, Watson, with some difficulty. Ah, I see. Brunton must have had an accomplice. Exactly. And therefore, Brunton opened the chest... ...and handed the contents over to his accomplice. What about the accomplice? That required some logical thinking and deduction. I asked myself what we knew. First, that Brunton had solved the riddle of the ritual. Secondly, he'd located the place... ...and found that flagstone was too heavy for him to lift. Mm. Where could he find help? From outside? Too risky. Even if he could find someone he could trust... He had to have someone inside the house. But who? Ah, R- Rachel House. Of course. But remember, he had jilted the girl. How would he then proceed to enlist her help? From the picture you've given me as to the kind of rogue he was, I imagine he would have attempted to convince her that he still loved her. You hit it, Watson. I tell you, I could see the action as if I myself were a witness. Brunton... Stepping upstairs to her room late at night and tapping softly on the door. There are times
0: in everyone's life when one feels like murdering his best friend. And Sir Arthur Conan Doyle tells us that this was one of the times that Watson could cheerfully have killed his friend Holmes because Holmes broke off his narrative to fill a pipe. But He did continue, and so will we right after these messages. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle isn't noted as an author who writes cliffhangers. But we must remember, he penned the longest cliffhanger of all time when he left Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty dangling over the Reichenbach Falls for three years before resurrecting him. And now, in explaining and filling out his notes on the Musgrave ritual, he'd left Watson waiting while he filled his pipe before picking up the narrative where he'd left off with a soft tapping on Rachel Howell's door in the dead of night.
2: Who is it?
1: It's Richard.
2: Richard? What do you want?
1: To talk to you. Go away. Rachel, please. It's important. To you or to me? To both of us. To our life together. Please. Open the door.
2: All right. But just for a moment.
1: Thank you, Rachel.
2: Why'd you close the door? If you think.
1: Rachel, I'm here to ask you to forgive me. I. I treated you shamefully.
2: Oh, it took you until tonight to realize
1: that? No, no, I knew it all along. But I'm a weak man, you know that. And she. she tempted me.
2: This isn't a church. My room is no place to bear your soul. What do you want? Why are you here?
1: I want you to promise to come away with me, to start a new life together as my wife. What? I mean it, Rachel. It took these weeks away from you to realize you were my true love.
2: And what about your engagement to Jane?
1: Well, it's only justice that she'll be treated as as I treated you.
2: (laughs) And where'd we go?
1: Anywhere you want, anywhere in the world.
2: Oh, well, I know you've got
1: a glib tongue. This isn't just talk. I've discovered the secret.
2: Are you still talking about that old piece of paper?
1: That old piece of paper is going to make us rich. Rich beyond anything you ever dreamed. So
2: you told me when you first said you loved me. But then I didn't
1: know where to look. I
2: found it, Rachel. I found the place. And what is it? Gold? Diamonds?
1: What? I don't know yet. We'll find out together.
2: I thought you said you'd
1: found it. I found where it's buried. I need your help to get it up. Rachel, do you hear me? Get out.
2: What? Said so Jane Warden there. when you asked her.
1: Of course you have... Every right to think that. But I I swear to you, it's, it's not true. I've not even whispered a word of this to Jane. I
2: don't believe you.
1: How can I convince
2: you? You come to my room in the middle of the night. You tell me you've had yet another change of heart. You don't love Jane. You love me. I've always loved and you. And then you ask my help. Well, you can have it when you announce our engagement. I?
1: Right can't do that. Why not? Because of the repercussions. I'd look like a fool in everyone's eyes. Think of what the other servants would say. But
2: I didn't bother you before. Do just what you... What you did with me.
1: Impossible.
2: That's what I thought. Well, now you can leave. There's nothing to keep you here.
1: Rachel, I've been (laughs) sacked.
2: Is there no end to your
1: life? It's true. Mr. Musgrave caught me in the library studying the ritual... I found the treasure, but I've only got three days to get it. The treasure?
2: That's what's important to you, isn't it? It's important to us. With the treasure, we
1: can do as we please. Live the life we want. Think of it, Rachel. You and I together, master and mistress, we'll hire servants instead of serving others.
2: Oh, if only I could believe you.
1: Listen, you can test me. Go to Mr. Musgrave. Tell him I told you I was leaving. He'll admit that it's so. Now do you believe me?
2: If only I could. I want to. My heart wants me to. But
1: I Rachel, I... trust me. Just let yourself trust me. Listen to your heart, Rachel. Oh. Come here into my arms. Oh. Don't think any more. made me actually see it. It's just as if you were there. The science of deduction, Watson. Now, we have Rachel enlisted firmly on Brunton's side. They don't have much time, so I suspect that the very next night, Brunton and Rachel crept down to the cellar very cautiously and quietly. And... All right. Here we are, Rachel. There's
2: nothing in this old cellar except logs and wood.
1: (laughs) That's what everyone thinks. But if we lift these pieces of wood from the center... ...of the floor and put them over there... hey, What do we find? A
2: stone with a ring in the center.
1: Right, my girl. <laughs> and now, uh, please give me a hand with this.
2: But there isn't enough room on the ring for me to get a grip...
1: Are they, uh, is that better? Yeah. All right, now. When I say Eve, we'll both pull. All right. All right. Again.
2: Eve. I...
1: It's no good. Right. See if you can squeeze your fingers closer together so I can get my whole hand underneath the ring. All
2: right, but then I can't use all my strength. Well, let's try it. All right.
1: All right, Maddie.
2: Eve. Yeah. That's it. It's in pulling, Rachel. It's got it, got it. Hang on, hang I on. I can't for long, Stu, Eddie. Take what? that piece of wood over to me. <coughs> right, put yeah. you now. Uh, oh, yeah. sure. Hang on, hang on. Sure. Just let's get this oh. wood under. No. Uh,
1: uh. Sure. It's done. All right, you, you can let me out.
2: One minute more. I've
1: let it drop. <gasps> All right. I'll climb down. You flash the lantern so I can see you.
2: Oh, I hope this isn't a wild goose chase.
1: Never fear. It's all in the ritual. There. The light. Ah, the chest. See the chest? Yes, see it. Hey, it's locked. But the wood is rotten. Here, I have it. Here. Hold it for me. I'll pass it up to you. What oh, is it? I don't know. I didn't look. I'm glad I was right about you, Rachel, my darling. <laughs> I knew I needed a big, beautiful girl like you. A slight whisper of a thing like Jane would never have been able to... Watch out. The wood. The
2: wood webs. It's slipping. Rachel! Push it back under the edge! Rachel! Help me, please!
1: Rachel! Good heavens, Holmes! What a horrible picture you've painted! Horrible? Certainly. For that must have been the way it happened, Watson. Mm. That explains her behavior with Musgrave when he questioned her the next day about Brunton's whereabouts. You recall she became hysterical and was almost incoherent. Mm. No wonder. That's a picture I can never quite get out of my mind. I still sometimes see that woman's figure dashing out of the cellar and up the stairs, clutching the treasure. Was it chance that the wood wedge slipped Or some smoldering fires of vengeance awoke in Rachel when he said what he did about her rival Jane. Or perhaps he didn't have to say anything. Perhaps she saw she had him in her power and kicked the wood support away herself. What do you think, Watson? Uh, I, I, I really don't know. But does it matter? Unanswered questions nag at me. Holmes, aside from the fact that I know what happened to Brunton and why, I'm still at a loss about the treasure. Come, Watson, you know exactly what happened to it. Look at the facts. I assume from your notes and what you've told me that Rachel discovered it was worthless and threw it in the pond before she ran away. That's half right. Half? But didn't you tell me that... All that was found when they dragged the pond was a linen bag with some old worthless metal in it. Rachel did indeed throw the bag in the pond, but the contents were far from worthless. Oh, dear. I'll never get this straight. You will if you hang on to your original hunch. The answer lay in the ritual and the coins that were found in the chest. Are you playing quite fair with me, Holmes? That's a shrewd question, Watson. I should have added that part of the answer lies in the history of the Musgrave family. They were staunch cavaliers opposed to the roundheads. Mm, that doesn't help much. What was the first question in the ritual? Uh, whose was it? And the answer was, his who is gone. That can only refer to one person, Charles I. Remember the coins. Well, I see that now, but still... And the ritual continues, who shall have it? Watson, you can give me the answer. Yes, uh, he who will come. But there could be anybody. No, Watson. It could be only one person. Charles II, whose advent was already foreseen. Watson, the treasure was the crown of the Stuarts. But how was it that Charles did not get his crown when he returned? The only explanation is that the Musgrave who held the secret died suddenly and by some oversight, left the ritual to his descendant without explaining the meaning of it. From that day to this, it had been handed down from father to son until at last it came within reach of a man who deciphered its secret and lost his life in the venture. Mm. And the girl, Rachel? No trace of her has been found to this day. Is it possible she did away with herself? I have considered that, Watson. And I knew whether she had or not... I'd have the answer to the question that bothers me. How so? It stands to reason that if Rachel Howells committed suicide, then the wood wedge must have slipped, and she couldn't stand the guilt and remorse she felt because she did nothing to help Brunton. If, on the other hand, she didn't kill herself, then she must have felt justified in taking her terrible revenge and making a successful escape. <laughs>
0: To my knowledge, this is the only story Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote that ended with any sort of conundrum. And this one, about whether Rachel Howells deliberately entombed her former lover or was unable to prevent a horrible tragedy, can surely take its place alongside the justly famous The Lady or the Tiger. I'll be back shortly. question about Rachel Howells and did she or didn't she commit suicide is most intriguing and each of you undoubtedly has his or her own answer. I lean to the theory that it was deliberate because Conan Doyle and Holmes make much of her dark Celtic passionate background and I'm a firm believer in the old adage, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Our cast included Gordon Gould, Court Benson, Marion Seldes and Bernard Grant. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.